0: welcome to inspiring end-of-life conversations with nina impala do you have questions about death how about events surrounding death or perhaps you have questions that need to be answered after death on this program we talk frankly and openly about the subject and invite you to share your comments and experiences as well now here is your host nina impala
1: everyone. How are you doing today? I am so sorry for the technical difficulty. We're running a little late. It's my first show. So happy to be here. I can't even tell you. I've been waiting and very grateful to Voice America for all that they've done for me. So, Inspiring End of Life Conversations is a show that is going to be about life and death and how we approach it, how we move through it. And we are going to be talking about everything from near-death experiences to helping people have the conversation, which is a lot about our show today, and so many other amazing things that happen when you open up to the actual process of dying, which sounds strange, but it's not. And it's something that I'm so passionate about, and I love talking about it. And with that, I want to introduce my first guest. Patty Webster, who I'm so happy that she's here today. Patty leads a community engagement for the Conversation Project, a public engagement initiative to ensure everyone's wishes for end-of-life care are both expressed and respected. She coaches community partners, teaches at speaking engagements, workshops across the country, and supports the team's measurement, learning, evaluation, and dissemination efforts. first Since 2007, she has served as faculty and improvement advisor at the Institute for Healthcare Improvement, supporting community-based and health system improvement efforts in the U.S., Africa, with particular focus on maternal, child, and newborn health, HIV, and AIDS. Her roles have included facilitating cross-organizational, multi-country learning networks, communities of practice, designing and leading quality improvement collaboratives, and contributing to IHI's initial strategy on person and family-centered care. Mrs. Webster's 20 years of experience in healthcare includes work with the Institute for Patient and Family-Centered Care, the advisory board company helping with care organizations worldwide to improve performance. She currently serves on the advisory board of Long Beach, California-based patient and family-centered care partners. She and her family have lived in El Salvador, Peru, South Africa, and Denmark.
2: Patty, I'm so happy that you're here. Nina, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. It's such a pleasure. It's great. And I want to really
1: just jump in right here. You shared with me, we, we met online, and you shared with me so much about your own parents passing and what that was like for you with your mom. And your mom was involved in nursing and pastoral care, so she really understood the importance of having the conversation, which is what our show is about today. And one of the things your mom said that I love is she said that the importance of having the conversation early before it's too
0: late.:
2: Yeah, so um i, I um I, I love sharing the story with my mom because we actually joke um, that she's it was the conversation queen, um, so it fits very well with the work I'm doing right now. And um, I can't attribute that quote to my mom um, because we, it's part of our work at The Conversation Project, our founder, Oh, oh okay. Goodman. That's fine. No, that's, that's fine. Our, our founder, Ellen Goodman, quote. talks about it's always too soon until it's too late. And that's really the crux of it. And that it embodies what my mom, the conversation she had yep. with us earlier. Yep. The
1: interesting thing that um, I want to talk about here and that we're going to get into in the show, and it's really important what you said in your blog, that you say, even though you talked about everything and you had all the conversations, you still questioned the decision you made on her behalf. But you cannot imagine how much doubt and angst you would have had had you not had the conversation. And I think that's really an important statement because when we lose our loved ones, Patty, one of the things that I think anybody and all of our listeners could feel about this is that we have these feelings about we have these feelings about how did I do the right thing did I did I do it okay did I should I have done this should I have done that and you had that conversation and those kind of feelings were still coming up
2: yeah
1: yeah so, so t- um, tell me more about that
2: yeah so um we, you know, we were really lucky in that my mom was very open in talking to us. We didn't realize um, how lucky we were until the moment happened that we had to be her voice and, and make decisions on her behalf. Um, and so uh, we hadn't realized what she was giving us all those years in, in talking to us about what really mattered to her. She talked about quality of life and how she wanted to live. Um, she talked about hey. what her worst nightmare would be and how she wouldn't want to live. And so she took the medical clinical conversation out of it. Um, and really talked about what light, what made life worth living for her. And so when we had to enact um, decisions on her behalf because she wasn't able to speak up for herself, um, yeah. really, it, it felt like we had her on our shoulder. Um, and um, we were on the same page, meaning my sisters, I have two sisters and I, um, and my mom's siblings, we all, she, she had talked to us over the years about that. And so we were yeah. on the same page when we had to make those decisions. Um, mm-hmm. and. knew that we, maybe we wouldn't have made the, own, the same decisions for ourselves because everybody has different wants and needs. But we were able to respect her wishes and know what they were. Uh, and everyone mm-hmm. being on the same page, you know, even though we, we question, we look back at that because you, it, is, it was such a tragedy for us because it happened too early. We weren't expecting, we weren't anticipating her to, to die so soon. And so we do look back at that, but we also, I not once feel that we didn't do exactly what she wanted. And so at the Conversation Project, you're absolutely right. We, we, we've done research, but there's been research out there that show that depression, six months after you lose a loved one, depression rates plummet um, and yeah. allow you to go through that grieving process. So we really felt like while we, we had that doubt and angst, we never once questioned that we were following her wishes because she made them really clear. And we were able and to that, free our ability to grieve the way that we should be able to be able to grieve and not feel that um, that right that doubt of not.
1: And doing. the conversation project, one of the things that I love, and I think everybody knows, dot conversationproject.com. There's starter kits on there, mm-hmm. and some pretty interesting facts as well. And one of them was what I loved, and I hope I quote this right, so you correct me if I don't, um, 90% of people or 89% of people want to have the conversation, the conversation, but only 32 people or 32% of people have that conversation. And do you think that, you know, it's one of those things, Patty, where people just don't have the wisdom to be able to have the conversation or know how to start it? Because when you say 92% of people say that talking with their loved ones about the end-of-life care is important, but yet only 32% are doing it, you know, what do you think that is? Yeah. I talk about of- it so openly, but I've, like, done it my whole life, and I probably sweet people out about it because I'm so open about it. And <laughs>
2: yeah,
3: yeah.
1: But
2: it surprises me that, you know, a lot of people,
1: it's hard for them to start the conversation,
2: Absolutely. And and that's it. People don't know where to start. And we know because, and you're absolutely right. So um, that number is so many, there's a gap between what people want and what we're actually mm-hmm. doing. Um, it's not yep. knowing where to start. And it's also people just don't want to upset their loved ones. So I think 20% that's true, a little over 20% said they don't want to upset their loved ones. And in that same survey that we did of Americans, um, and we've done it at a couple different points, over fifty-three percent of people said that they felt relief by actually by someone initiating these conversations with them, and a full ninety-five percent of people actually said that they would want to or would be willing to have these conversations. So, Correct. our fear and worry that people don't want to have it, we don't want to upset their loved ones—that's it's actually the opposite. They really do want to have these conversations, and so we're we're really here to help people on where to start. Um, and people, it's hard, right? They, they, some, some always have wanted to do this. They know they want to do it, especially now. Um, and they never knew how to start and that's okay because um, it is not an easy thing to do. And so we, we've come up with some icebreakers and our conversation starter kits, uh, and some recent guidance uh, to really help people. Um, and that's what, what our, Our whole mission is really about helping people jumpstart those conversations.
1: Okay. And so one of the other important things that I think I would love to talk about a little bit when when you're talking about this is the importance of some of these questions. So let's just, I want to just go over, I'm looking at, I'm in the starter kit on there. And, you know, even I, when I look at these questions, I think to myself, okay, how would I, how would I respond? And So like one of the questions is, if I had a terminal illness and then you've got numbers from one to five, I would prefer to not know how quickly it is progressing is number one. Number five is know my doctor's best estimation for how long I have to live. Now, I might be in the middle of that. I may not be, I want to know everything. Maybe I just want to know enough or what's going to keep me comfortable, or am I going to be cured? Do I want to know that I'm going to be cured? But if there's a chance, I'm not going to be cured. And and like, how long do you want to receive medical care? What are your concerns about treatment? I'm just going to go through a couple of these. Where, what, where do you want or not want to receive care? You know, these are things that you just think, gosh, you know, should I put mom in that nursing home? Maybe she didn't want to go. Did we even ask her? Or, like with your own mom, she lost her voice. So she wasn't, you guys had that conversation, so I can't even imagine that if my loved one lost their voice, now I can't ask them. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: And so then the process begins where what we do to ourselves after a loved one's died, no matter how many conversations, you know, you would have had.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's why we are, um, we are all about trying to tap into these conversations earlier and often because our wishes may change Um, early, meaning you turn 18, that, you know, that is a great time to start thinking about this. And so it's um, exactly what you said. So um, if um, if we are, are not understanding and knowing what our loved one or someone who we care about um, wants, and we have to enact decisions on their behalf, we know it's much better to have these conversations before a medical crisis happens. In the comfort of your home, whether that's at the kitchen table, it might not be the place for, for conversations, depending on, on your family and your, and your background. Maybe it's, yeah. um, maybe it's a gathering. Maybe it's through other, other means. But we're really big on doing this earlier um, when you can talk about those values. And so the, uh, as you're reading the questions in the kit, what we do is we offer a roadmap of how much um, do you want to be involved in your own decisions? How much do you want right. others to be involved in decisions? Um, and how much, um, uh, what, what, type of, what type of care you may or may not want? And it's all really focused on, on values. Um, and so we're trying to make that easier for folks before a crisis, yep. so you don't do this in the ICU. And it, and from my mom's experience, if we hadn't had those conversations, we would have been a little bit dumbfounded on what to do because we had really- Well, unexpected. I think
1: we're gonna be going to break, Patty, and I wanna stop you right there because I think what's gonna, I've got more questions that I wanna bring up and talk about, and I think that there are questions that some of some of these questions will surprise people. You're listening to Nina and Paula at Inspiring End-of-Life Conversations, and we will be back.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Nina offers an alternative to traditional counseling. Sessions are not just 50 minutes, but a full hour. When you go in for a regular counseling session, many times you don't remember everything. Nina's difference is a summary email after each session and or a follow-up phone call if needed up to two weeks after. Nina also provides hospital visit consultations as necessary. Sessions with Nina Ampala are $250. And if you book a three-session package, you will get a $100 discount. Let's get you feeling peaceful and happy again. Losing someone we love is one of the most challenging, fearful, and heart-rending experiences we are ever likely to face. In her book, Dearly Departed, Nina Impala shares stories of her experiences as a hospice volunteer for more than 12 years and how those experiences prepared her for the final days of her own parents. Nina emphasizes the importance of being a good listener and living a good life. Dearly Departed by Nina Impala is available in paperback or Kindle edition through Amazon.com or your favorite book retailer. You are listening to inspiring end of life conversations. If you have a question for Nina Impala or her guest today, call into our program at 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Or send an email to tutoringforthespirit at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program.
2: Okay,
1: we're back. Thanks for being patient with us today. First show a little technical difficulty, but all is good. And I'm back with my guest Patty. And um, Patty, we were talking about the questions that are yeah. important to bring up when you want to have these conversations with your family. Yeah. So one of the other things I think that is really important—I know it is for me—I, you know, my own life—I've been hospitalized quite a bit—and is privacy. Who do you want around you? Who do you want in your room? Are there some people you don't want? And you could see the importance in that if someone was in the hospital or someplace like that. Correct?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So what do you think are good starters, Patty? Like, let's say I wanted to, oh um, well, I don't know, uh, have this conversation with my dad,
2: who yep.
1: has lived a really long time. He's 95 years old. He seems very strong still, but you know, we're all concerned. He's 95. How would you start a conversation with him?
2: Well, it's a great question and we get this often on how do you start? Um, and I, I'll share what I did with, with my dad. Uh, my dad does not like talking about these conversations. Um, he's had a lot of, of death at an early age in his life um, and it's not something that comes easy to him. So, um, we you, you have to try, and sometimes it, it takes um, some restart, but oftentimes dads um, are, are there to help out. And so when I said to my dad, um, dad, there's something I need your help with, he always wants to help his kids. Um, and so for me, that worked, my, that, that is one uh, entry that we suggest is, appeal to what, what works for your for your father. Um, or especially about that everything that's going on right now, there's a lot of articles. So if he's been reading news or is one to, um, to read what's happening, you can mention an article um, or something in current events or pop culture as a jumping-off point and say, you know, I was reading this article or I was listening to an interview or actually use this, this uh, radio show and say, I was talking to, um, Patty Webster from the conversation project and it really made me realize I'm not entirely clear on what your wishes would be if you would mm-hmm. to get really sick. Let's talk about that. Um, and so using that entry point, you have to know what, what works for your, your person. And so we have a lot of different phrases or um, ways that you can do this. What we often recommend too is be careful and don't push too hard um, because we want to right. have these conversations, but sometimes it 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 can't happen right away, and that's okay. Um, and so you might need to reframe it. And I had to do that um, with, with with in, in addition. So um, it we have a lot of different ways that you can frame it. Walk the walk. It's often if it, it, you can say, I went through this this kit or whatever resource you're you're looking at and really thought about what kind of Care I would want or wouldn't want, um, and what quality of life looks, looks like for me, and I'd like to share that with you, so you can offer your own wishes to your dad, um, and then say, hey, so "What do you think? How about how about yourself?"
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I I I think by I think you're right about all of that, and I think with a lot of the elderly um, population that I've worked with when I go into nursing homes and things like that, I always take the Um, when I have to have a conversation about maybe Alzheimer's or dementia or the the way the person is going through in their journey getting older, Mm -hmm. right? And what I try and do is learn about the couple. So if a gentleman is in the military, you're going to have a very different conversation than somebody that is maybe, you know, has been a lawyer all their life or a CPA or something like that. You know, you have to talk to them exactly as you said, like how, what their family is used to. There's, yeah. there's a really great book out there, and it's, it's, not, it's a little bit off topic, but it's also, I love the title of it. Um, it's called Creating Moments of Joy, and it's for the Alzheimer's and dementia population, but I also think it fits into many parts of life when we're speaking with the elderly, especially when you're with 80 and 90-year-old people. You, you want to you come in not heavy. You want to come in lighthearted is what I always say. You want to come in really lighthearted and not with the heaviness of it. Because as you know, when we prepare for this, it doesn't have to be in as, it's going to be sad no matter what. I always tell people that it's going to be sad. But when you feel like, what did you say earlier, Patty, like a relief inside yeah. of you that this is done. I've I've done what I've needed to do. And it gets a little tricky when maybe a family has um, unfinished business. We do know that. And so a lot of times, you know, maybe they could have a counselor or somebody like that come in or talk to them maybe before if there's been some stuff in the family. Because, you know, when somebody passes away and there's words left unsaid, it's almost like it gets stuck inside the body of the person that's still alive.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's something I'm
1: pretty passionate about, too, about having that conversation. So,
2: as we, I, I love your... You know, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> I, I just, I love that framing, Nina, you know, creating moments of joy, because really, um, this comes from a place of love and a place of caring, and oftentimes, these conversations evoke laughter, in addition to eye-rolling. I, I've had lots of eye-rollings, yeah. um, but it really, like, I, I think what you're, uh, I love what you're saying is that... Really find out what's most important to you. And that's one of the questions that we, we currently right now we're, we're promoting is what, what is most important to you? What matters most to you? And, and the, the, a lot of the resources we have really focus on that what matters most to you. Not what's in the matter with you, but what really right. matters most to you? What worries you? Um, especially well, now, what are some of the worries that you have? What might be helping yeah. you through this? Or who, or who might be helping you through this? And really right. using those type of questions to really, um, start evoking um, worries, but also stories. Stories really unite us. And so, as you're saying, the stories no that people have of a past yes. um, death or a loved one that they went through—that's mm-hmm. really they haven't had the opportunity. Um, that actually, when I was uh, sitting and talking with my dad, um, he just he, he started talking about stories about his his brother who died at an early age, and really started t- telling uh, telling us about. What happened and, and how that affected him and what he wanted or didn't want based on what happened to, to our Uncle Jimmy. And so those stories really, he really helped um, bring conversations about. Um, and really do help people think about well, what might I want differently or the same, or what what didn't we have for for Grandma um, or for Uncle Joe that I might want. And so really tapping into that um, and and healing um, it, it can be really a healing bomb. And we've heard that from some of the groups that we work with, is that especially as you noted the family dynamics, uh, not all families can talk to each other easily. Um but one of our groups that works um up in Jamaica Plains, Massachusetts, um, they are the Bethel AME Church does this phenomenal program um throughout their um, throughout their congregation. They're having these planning ahead conversations and they do this so beautifully. Um and they noted that it really is this healing bomb and I love how they how they said that, to help heal families and really build stronger relationships within families. And then Did you say healing balm um,
1: balm, right? Like in, in a bomb that blows up, a healing balm.
2: No bomb, B A L M, a bomb Balm. Okay. <laughs> Yes, yes, a really bomb. So, well, both would be important, yeah. but go ahead. Yeah, these conversations can be bombs at, at sometimes too. Um, but yeah. it's and you know again, it has to be what um, you have to frame it in what works and what may not work for your own particular family, um, and so it, it's going to be different for everybody. And I think the hardest part as human beings, our nature is to want something for somebody that we might want for ourselves, or we don't want to let them go. But sometimes that prevents us from listening to what our family member is actually telling us and what they want. Um, and that's probably the hardest thing that we, we've heard is that um, we had a, uh, um, a woman who, who's at a, a session with one of my colleagues come up and say during the session, you know, I wreck in tears saying, I realized, I wasn't listening to my dad. My dad, uh, they had just had an episode, and they wanted to bring him to the emergency room. He had some underlying health conditions. Um, and her and her siblings wanted to get him to the ER, and the dad kept saying no. No, when he was older. He kept saying, I don't want to be in the hospital. I don't want to do that. But they, they tried to, they convinced him to go, and she recognized we were doing what we wanted for him and not what he wanted for him. Um, and that's really hard as humans, right? Well, I think think one of the things is important. Go ahead. Right. And what I have always
1: stated, and I even mentioned this in my own book, it's always about the person in the bed. Mm. And our own, and this is why I truly believe so much in the conversation is because what I've witnessed in my career with hospice 20 years now is that everybody's got an opinion and about the person in the bed And many times, and this is the one thing that I wanted to stop, is this, that when a person is dying in that bed, I don't want them worrying about hurting their family members, whether they don't eat the food that's put in front of them, whether they decide that they want to die someplace else and they don't want to be there. I mean, if you're a loving human being, right? And you're a giver and you're a server. Take a nurse or a social worker or somebody that has served people their whole life. That's me. We tend to keep things, you know, we don't want to upset people, you know, Mm -hmm. so we'll swallow whatever we have to say. And then maybe that person didn't die the way they wanted to because Uncle John decided that the person needed to be in the hospital, even though the person wanted to go home. That's to me is one of the most important reasons to have the conversation, So we are so clear that that person in that bed is able to have exactly what they want at the end of their life. Absolutely. I mean, I've gone into hospitals before and I've given talks and things like that. And then I'll get the angry person that says, my so-and-so is not ready to die yet. And I'm like, okay, okay. Yeah. And there's nothing I can do about that. But he's angry. And did he ever ask the person in the bed, are you ready? Are you ready? Do you want to go? Is there something I can do for you? Right. Yeah. And you know, we're going to go to break again, Patty. We're going to have to switch off the break here. And um, we'll be talking more about this wonderful conversation. And we will be right back.
3: Thank you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Nina offers an alternative to traditional counseling. Sessions are not just 50 minutes, but a full hour. When you go in for a regular counseling session, many times you don't remember everything. Nina's difference is a summary email after each session and or a follow-up phone call if needed up to two weeks after. Nina also provides hospital visit consultations as necessary. Sessions with Nina and Pala are $250. And if you book a three-session package, you will get a $100 discount. Let's get you feeling peaceful and happy again. Losing someone we love is one of the most challenging, fearful, and heart-rending experiences we are ever likely to face. In her book, Dearly Departed, Nina Impala shares stories of her experiences as a hospice volunteer for more than 12 years and how those experiences prepared her for the final days of her own parents. Nina emphasizes the importance of being a good listener and living a good life. Dearly Departed by Nina Impala is available in paperback or Kindle edition through Amazon.com or your favorite book retailer. listening to inspiring end of life conversations if you have a question for Nina Impala or her guest today call into our program at 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 or send an email to spirit at gmail.com now back to this week's program
1: okay welcome back I'm here with my guest Patty from The uh, a conversation project, and we are ready to talk a little bit more now. We're going to get into COVID, and
2: I want to know what you guys are doing with COVID. Patty? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, this is a really challenging time for everybody. Um, And so we recognize that um, what was once potentially hypothetical for some in talking about the Type of care they may or may not want and how they want to live through the end of life really is now smack in front of us and so given that this is so pressing right now um, we wanted to make sure that we had resources for um, for those that want to want to have some sense of control um, when many things right now are so out of control um, there are some things we can do to help us be prepared so help ourselves um, and help others. And so uh, okay. we d- developed some resources. And we, we recognize, you know, it's important to know that it's not all gloom and doom right now because most people will survive. Um, but what's happening right now is uh, there's a lot of conversations around Well, advanced care planning is, is, is crucial. Um, and talking about how can we be um, prepared right now. And so we have um, a two-page guide on, that's called Being Prepared in the Time of COVID-19. Um, okay. And it's really trying to help people think about three concrete steps that they can do right now. Um, mm-hmm. th- before those first steps, the first thing, first and foremost, is really to just stay safe. Um, if you can, if you're able to, to um, to stay home in, in, in social distance when, when some of those states are, are loosening guidelines. But really, take care of yourself and really take care of others. And so we, we recognize that that's the first and foremost thing. Um, and then the three steps in that guide really is pick your person. So if you are unable to make healthcare decisions um, on, on behalf of yourself, um, who is that person? Who do you trust to help make those decisions for you? Um, and so once you pick that person, really talk and tell them what matters most to you um, and tell them um, what really is important, uh, what kind of those, those values that we talked about earlier in the conversation, what, what do you really truly value? Um, we also recommend, and this goes back to the point we were talking about earlier, is those that are, are angry or not ready to let go, make sure you're telling others who you're picking. So if you're picking your one daughter to be your decision-maker, Make sure you're telling right. the other um, kids that you might have and let them know, hey, Sally's my decision maker. I want you to know she knows exactly what I want here and, and tell them, tell others as well. well and you then have the third point is really, John can't oh, have his opinion. <laughs> you say know, like
1: the people I'm talking about, you know, where you yeah, just yeah. can, by having the conversation, you just say, talk to my daughter, talk to my daughter. Exactly. Everything goes to that person and it alleviates
2: so much. Stress. Yeah. And it's important to tell others. If there's others that might have an opinion, let them know right. that that here are my wishes and so-and-so is going to enact that. I know it's hard for you, but I, I really want to make sure that, that my wishes are followed. And so there's ways to do that. We have some some ways to help. And then that third point in that guide is really think about what you want if you do get seriously ill um, with COVID. And so it asks some questions, some key questions, to help you think about what is most important to you. Um, if you become sick, uh, do you want to stay where you are? Do you want to go to the hospital? If you want to go to the hospital, do you want intensive care? Um, and mm-hmm. we, some of those questions we talked about before, what really is important to you, what worries you, and what is helping you through that? And so um, we offered that guide as a way to help be prepared, um, and there's a lot of great resources out there uh, to do that. And so, on our website as well, we have that that two-page guide, and we also have, well, how do you be and choose a healthcare proxy? And that's a kit that we've had yeah. all along, in being that healthcare decision maker, because that's a, a role that people need to take seriously. And so, we have a guide for that, um, and then we have some other resources um, for for folks on on. Managing stress and anxiety and, and just curating some resources that others uh, have filled together. There's some great articles that have been written out there, so we've got some of those resources as well. Um, and then the the last thing in that guide is when we really talk about, talk to your doctor about this. Um, if you right. have a, a doctor that you're in touch with or there's other, if you don't have a direct doctor, there's other uh, places that you can go to find uh, someone to talk to, a medical professional. Um, and so we have a kit on how do you talk to your doctor um, and talking with yeah. your doctor um, um, and how do, we, how do we prepare for those conversations?
1: Well, let's talk about that a little bit because I, I think that people have a hard time talking to their doctor, you know, because a lot of times, let's face it, the doctors are in a real big hurry and they're, you know, and especially right now. So in our minds, I'm a true believer, Google it, read about it, and then have it written down. I've done that myself because you get in there with the doctor and they're in a hurry and you're, you've are you got all these things rolling around in your head, but if you t- took pen to paper, yep. then you've got it. Because when you get in Absolutely. there, it's kind of like going to the grocery store and not having a grocery list. Like, oh, wait, what was, what was I going to do? One more thing I needed to ask them, you know, and then you walk out of there, they're busy. And good luck for a phone call back when people are swamped the way they are right now. You know, so it's really important, I think, to write all that down and go to the website, you know, the Conversation Project and check it out. If you have a family member right now that's really sick and you've got some concerns and stuff like that, this, the, the starter kits that you have on there are so incredibly helpful. Um, and the way that they just bring up simple questions that you would have for your doctor um, yeah. and, and even oh, getting a doctor to talk of entered life care, good luck with that <laughs> because what? It, it's true, you know, it's something that they don't like to talk about. But if a person is really sick, you know, that's something, you know, can this kill me? Will it kill me?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Is there, you know, just come out and ask it, you know, and okay. hopefully get a straight answer.
2: Yeah, and you know we're finding um, there are a lot of doctors that are really good at having these conversations, and there. And you mentioned there's a lot that aren't, um, but we're yeah. finding right now that there is a huge influx of uh, clinicians that want to and want to make sure that they know how to have these conversations and are doing it themselves. Yeah. So they're actually having the same conversations with those that they that they care about. Um, and Correct. so there are a lot more uh, uh, doctors that really want to hear from, from um individual patients and families and community members of what does matter. So right now, actually, um, there are telemedicine v- visits. There are clinicians that really want to talk about this with you. Um, and so, so the guides, and and I love how you frame that. It really is. Write it down, right? Because I, I know even the best prepared are those that are really, um, you know, have no problem asking doctors questions. Sometimes forget, and so the guides that we have have open-ended questions, so you can fill it in and yep. write it down. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And so we do that purposely, so you have something pen on paper um, to take to your physician. And um, these visits are, are something that we're seeing a whole lot more of, uh, an uptick um, in these conversations. Um, well, and let me tell you clinicians, about your that. clinicians will, you. will get reimbursed for these <laughs> conversations, and they yeah. want to have these
1: conversations. I'm going to stop you for a minute because I want to go to something positive with this. Um, While you're talking about it, I actually had to have a video conference with my doctor about a week or so ago. And I actually think that COVID everything that's happening with COVID is pushing us in a direction where, like you say, the doctors are more involved. They're on the phone with you. They're on a video talk with you. And it's a very different feeling than walking into an office.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm talking to my doctor in her home. She's got her white coat on, but I'm talking to her in her home, like I'm talking to a family member, and it felt pretty good. You know, yeah, it really did. Yeah. So, wouldn't you say this is probably a positive thing that came out of COVID? Absolutely. Maybe it's the this, direction this is going to be going. Right.
2: Yeah, these t- these are these conversations and these one on ones. That is care, it, it, and I um, I've been on some other calls, and um, it used to be seen tele in, in some areas. Some people think telemedicine is a substitute, but really it is care, and it's I agree. This is a, such a huge positive. Um, clinicians have said they are able to see individuals in their home environment. Um, sure. And recognizing that there's a lot that we don't know um, because we're not in their home environment with them. Uh, and so it, there's, I think there's huge positives. Um, and that there are a lot of clinicians, palliative care physicians um, in general are so phenomenal. Um, they've been helping uh, others have these conversations. True. Um, and there are a lot of physicians coming to the palliative care folks right now saying, how do I help? other clinicians saying, Please help me um, and have these skills because I really want to. I, re- I really want to help uh, patients and, and individuals on these calls. So I, I agree. I think it's a really good positive spin uh, and really uh, patient-driven um, because yes. it's, it's it's what people. It, it's more convenient um, yep. and can really can really reach folks potentially that we haven't been able to reach.
1: Yep, and patient-driven is a, I think it's a very good word for it because I would love to see you know where we're not. You know, taking our elderly grandmother to the, you know, the doctor when it could be something that could be done online with a family member. Wouldn't that be amazing? You know, because that's something that would get people with hospice, you know, where the, everybody comes to the house and stuff. And I just think that you just, when you were talking about this, I thought, wow, this could be really great. And maybe it's something that will not be going away once, well, whatever happens with COVID, once that gets easier, I think I've a good word to say for all that but yeah. i think it's really important and i think that you know it will really headed in a good direction with that i found it to be a really good experience and i think that it, i think that the doctors probably will end up liking it
2: Absolutely. Don't you? Yeah, yeah, and that's what I'm hearing, that it's a really, it's a great way to really connect one-on-one. Um, and think about, you know, potentially uh, faith leaders and, and those, because sometimes we're more comfortable talking with others, not necessarily our doctor, but we might be more comfortable talking with a, a faith leader, bringing those folks in. Like there's so many different ways that um, this can be a really good jumping, sto- jumping point and, and a way to um, help ease the burden and, and making these conversations much more accessible. Yep, I
1: just think it's great. You know, and then as we're, you know, talking on the show here about the Conversation Project and basically, you know, what we've done since the beginning of the show, even with all our little hiccups today, everybody. <laughs> but we've, you know, we've 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 covered the importance of having knowing how to start a conversation. And you know, when you think about this too, Patty, we're talking about end of life conversation. Right. But what if we're actually learning because people, you know, when people say they don't like confrontation, I don't want to have any confrontation, you know, and then later that probably would have been a good conversation. I think that learning how to talk actually through your conversation project is going to help families in a lot of other ways have conversations about things that maybe they're uncomfortable with, you know, yeah. just like that. Yeah. And so if there's a cancer diagnosis, if um, there's maybe an autoimmune diagnosis and stuff, and we don't have a terminal diagnosis, but now, hey, we're going to talk about what's happening to your body right now and how that's affecting you, mind, body, and spirit. And I I just think that's an amazing thing that we can do. It has been my deep pleasure to have you on the show today, Patty. I really appreciate it. Is there anything you'd like to say to us before... We go to close.
2: Well, first, I just want to thank you for um, including me and and our work. Um, I'm representing a a team that's behind this. And really, the only other thing I would say is that these, I totally agree, conversations can really help us um, talk about what matters most to us and really live our life more fully um, as it gives us and those that we care about peace of mind. Um, and in in all sorts of arenas, so not just end of life, Great. but how we want to live. So thank you so much for having me, Nina. You're welcome, and everybody
1: go to com for everything we talked about today. Thanks for being with us, Patty. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. So today we enjoyed the show. I'm hoping everybody loved it. There's going to be so many good people on. And um, next week... We are going to be having an incredible lady on who went from four-stage cancer to singing at Fenway Park. So this is Nina and Paula for inspiring end-of-life conversations. Bookmark me, and I promise you'll love it. Take care. Have a great night.
0: We hope you have found hope in this week's edition of Inspiring End-of-Life Conversations. Please join your host, Nina Impala, for another program next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again soon.